It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Wednesday, according to Jim and Casper, who just sent me his usual Wednesday hump day poem. I know you work hard on those. Probably takes him about two seconds to write them in a hump day morning rant, even before the caffeine's kicked in. All right, so, yeah, there's a lot to cover today. Sure, I'm going to go ahead and cover as much of it as I possibly can. But first, let's start with something Okay, I, how do I describe this? You're going to spend a lot of money to send your kid to college, and they come home and tell you they've taken what as a course? Hold on. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. If I was spending a ton of money on sending a kid to college, I would make sure to take a good look at the college courses that I'm paying for as the parent. I want to make sure that every course actually has something to do with what their chosen profession is. In fact, as the parent, I would say, before I spend all this money sending you to college, what is it that you're aiming for as a career? I want to know. I'm not just going to pay for a bunch of courses just so you can say you went to college. What are you doing? What are you aiming for as a career? Then I want to take a look at the college courses to make sure that they're taking things that actually matter so I'm not wasting my money on the kid. And the kid's not wasting his time, especially on indoctrination, right? All right. We're going to go to Harvard University and UC Berkeley, where they've started courses on Taylor Swift. Well, sure, why not? Story says college courses on the jet-setting climate change activist pop star who backs Democrat Taylor Swift will reportedly be offered at Harvard University and Berkeley and the University of Florida of the spring. The Harvard professor is a diehard Swifty. Uh, Stephanie Burt is the name. Will be teaching a new course called Taylor Swift and Her World, set to debut this spring at the Ivy League University's English department. This is, by the way, Harvard University and Princeton especially are very expensive colleges. Really expensive. So I just want you to imagine your kid got into Harvard and you got to pay for this. This is going to be expensive. And here's the course they take. Quote, in this class, students will earn college credits for their deep dives into Swift's lyrics, music, and influence, dissecting her catalog and reading a host from authors that are found relevant to understanding Swift's artistry. 
Uh, the professor who graduated from Harvard in 1994 told the Crimson, their newspaper there, I try to teach only the courses I think our students can really use. Pause. <clears throat> How can you use this? Okay, moving on. Either because students want them or because the curriculum needs them, but uh, Bert added that she plans to explore Cruel Summer, singer Swift's from the country genre to pop, which coincided with her move from Nashville to Manhattan in the context of what the professor believes is the South's shifting relationship with the rest of the United States. Taylor Swift is someone who, this is a quote, Taylor Swift is someone who establishes communication and changing relationships. Yeah, she also sings a lot about uh, ex-boyfriends, but okay. Quote, Taylor Swift is a good way to think about what it is like to have a lot of your, a lot of eyes on you and wonder what to do with your privilege. Oh, had to throw that in there. And what do you do with your white privilege? Oh, we got to explore that. I'm wondering at some point, are we going to throw climate change into this? I don't know. Let's read on. Quote, look around and ask. I'm pretty ambitious. And I got to this place when I was pretty young. What do I do next? What do I do with all of this attention? Meanwhile, at UC Berkeley, students will be offered a four-credit course called Artistry and Entrepreneurship, Taylor's Vision. All right. Now, if you want to go ahead and put a course out for young people where they can learn about entrepreneurship and how to be an artist and an entrepreneur, perhaps. So they attached Taylor Swift to that to show how she became successful. Perhaps. Maybe. I'd have to see how they put the course together. Quote, I had the most fun dreaming up the unit on personas, perceptions, and personalities, said the teacher to the Los Angeles Times. There's so much to unpack in terms of relationships between Taylor and individuals and, and the media and how she constantly reinvents her music. I will say this for Taylor Swift. This is um, important to any kind of an artist out there. One of the reasons the Beatles were so successful is every single album was completely different. I was never a Madonna fan. But one thing I admired about Madonna as far as a businesswoman is concerned is every single album she completely reinvented herself. And Taylor Swift does the same thing, keeps people interested in her. So similarly, University of Florida will also be offering a course on Swift called Musical Storytelling. An introduction to this. So, the first time Swift has inspired uh, new college courses. And, okay. So, now again, I, I can, the only thing I can understand is inserting her into if you want to teach young people, you're going to use your talent, right? But you, just having talent is not enough. You've got to be a good business person, too. Talent alone is nothing if you don't have the business sense to do something with it. So if you want to teach that and then you attach a popular person's name to it in order to try to attract people, okay. But a lot of this other stuff, I'm thinking, here again, so my, I got a kid. He's been accepted to Harvard or Berkeley or Princeton University, one of those. Those are expensive schools, really expensive, exclusive schools. Before I pay a dime, the first thing I want to know from the kid is, 
And where are you going with all of this? You you want to do what for a living? Because we're only going to pay for courses that have to do with your goals to make yourself successful. And then before I give any money away to my kid to pay for courses, I'm not just going to put money out there and just pay for whatever course. I want to know. I want to see every single course, especially in today's age with what universities do. I want to see every single course out there and exactly what they teach. Because there's going to be a few things I'm going to reject, and this is probably one of them. Hey, morning, Rian. Ever heard of Google? That's free. Study Taylor Swift that way. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of things that uh, I don't think, especially in today's age, you've always been able to study things yourself, right? But in today's world, you can study a lot online, including college courses from major universities. Absolutely free. 615, wake up my... Sure, this show is sustainable. We sequester all gas emissions to one room. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 and FM 95.1, at 6. Six twenty two is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. If you're just joining me, I was having some fun with Harvard and Princeton University and some others are going to have Taylor Swift courses. Yes, courses on Taylor Swift. Which, again, I don't mind if they're going to do a course in how to use your creativity and make a living from it uh, through marketing and so on. And they're using her as an example. I think that's fine. But the rest of it that they want to do is garbage. Which is why I say I would never, if I'm paying for school... For the kid, I want to know what the kid intends to do for a living before I pay for anything. Where are we going with this? And then I want to take a look at the classes that this kid has to take, wants to take, but also has to take. Because I'm not going to pay for a bunch of garbage. I'm not. So, morning, John. Heidi John is in Granite Canyon. Morning, Glenn. If high schools would bring back shop classes, how many of these kids would realize they like working with their hands? And go into one of the trades. And I think it's a little more than that. I think uh, I love watching Micro, uh, listening to him talk about these things. So so many of our schools, even at the young high schools, you know, but even just attitudes of a lot of people, well, you don't want to get into the trades. I mean, you get into the trades, that's slowly blue collar, where people look down on people in the trades. We used to admire that. But now, no, 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 you need to have a degree and have an office job somewhere. Then you're admired, you see. You, uh, meantime, people in the trades are actually earning a very good living. So I'd like to bring back the reputation as well of, oh, you're somebody who works with your hands, are you? Oh, you, you know how to do and pick a blue-collar job. You know how to do that? Wow, great, because you actually have skills and you can work with your hands, and it's something to be admired. Oftentimes, we spend, well, way too much time uh, in this country. I think it, it's been one of the dumbest things we've done in this country is look down on people who have a skill, who work a skill for a living. Rather than, I mean, it's it's fine if somebody has become successful in the business world and they have an office job and so on. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but let's not look down on people who have a hardworking, skilled job. In fact, I admire people. When weather gets really bad out here, there are people who still go out in that weather because there's cattle that need to be taken care of. 
and other animals. There's oil rigs, energy, so many things that have to be taken care of that it doesn't matter if it's a blizzard or a whiteout. It doesn't matter because there's somebody out there who knows how and is willing to do this for a living, even though it's hard work. In fact, a lot of people that I've met over the years see that hard work as a challenge and they like the idea that they get paid to do something that challenges them mentally, physically. And so, yeah, there's your blue collar job. So I'd like to see parents do this, society do this, Hollywood do this, schools do this, encourage people at a very young age how important it is. And really, if they're worried about their reputation, if that's the thing they worry about, that having a good skill as a blue collar worker is something that's worth striving for and should be admired. But okay, another story I have for you. Now, I talked about this before, but here's the latest. I told you before that there are those out there that want to... Oh, a sheepdog in Casper. Letter carriers. Yes. Now, I've seen people who deliver the mail, and I don't just mean people who work for the Postal Service, but people who work also for FedEx and UPS and so on. I see them showing up in all kinds of weather. Doesn't matter what's going on. Those trucks are moving out there, and they're getting stuff to our doors. Whatever's going on, they're still out there moving. And there's all sorts of other blue-collar jobs I could mention. And that all includes people who clear the streets, but also the police officers, the fire department, all sorts of other people. Doesn't matter what the weather is, they're out there. If your electricity goes out at some time this winter, at some point this winter, if your electricity goes out, somebody is going to have to go out down some road where snow is drifting over the road. That means they're risking themselves. This is putting themselves in a lot of danger to head way down some road out in the middle of nowhere. And then in all of that driving, blowing, frigid weather, they're going to climb a pole and get up there and fix some power lines so you can have your electricity back on so your house stays nice and toasty and, you know, you're safe at home because these people are out there. And again, those are the kind of people that I look at and admire. Not the guy with the college degree who's working as a barista because he got a degree in essentially nothing. But the person who thought about getting a skill and some kind of a skill, not just that they enjoy, but it's a challenge and it actually adds something to the community. Something that's really important to the community to do. I don't think we teach it. We haven't done this in quite a while. I think Mike Rowe is right. We don't teach our kids this. And it's something that as Americans, we've really lost. That's why so many foreigners are coming over our border and taking jobs that Americans don't want to take. Americans are just not interested in taking so many jobs because they look down on those jobs. Even though the job might pay well, they worry about what people will think of them if they take such a lowly job or a job that's so hard for that matter. Because some of what I'm talking about, it's not even a matter of what people might think of you. The job is just really hard. And there's people out there who don't like hard. John says, had your car fixed lately? What did that cost you? Actually, not bad because I have a good mechanic.
Jay and Casper, how many plumbers ever needed a woman's study major <laughs> versus the opposite? Coming up on some morning, Jay. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time right after that. Update on your weather forecast. And you and I get back into a Don Day at 645 with an extended weather forecast for you. I told you about the story. There's uh, people who want to change the name of some birds for social justice. There's the latest update on that story I've got for you next. Wake up, Wyoming. Glenn Woods, he talks to you, not at you. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Morning, Big Wave. He's out there, too. I.D. John and Grand Canyon. Jay is out there and a few others. All right. So these are people who, by the way, send me notes off the Wake Up Wyoming app by using the chat option. Now, here's an update on a story that I told you about a little while ago, and Cowboy State Daily just updated it. So it's already happened to some Americans' national landmarks, the story says. Statues, sports teams. Now, birds are the target, so there are some bird names that are problematic. The American Ornithological Society has announced that it has an effort to address past wrongs and engage more people in the enjoyment and protection and study of birds. It will change all English bird names in the U.S. and Canada so they're not named after people. In an effort to impact about 70 to 80 different types of birds that Wyoming calls home, by the way. Quote, there is power in a name. And some English bird names have association with the past that continue to be exclusionary or harmful. I really doubt that they're harmful. We need a much more inclusive and engaging scientific process. Sometimes, you know, a bird is named after the person that discovered it. So... Some of the birds that will be impacted in Wyoming include uh, Say's uh, BB, is that how you do it? Uh, Swanson's hawk, Cooper's hawk, the Audubon's warbler, uh, the Bullock's oriole, Cason finch, Stellar's jay, things like that. Uh, Wilmington's sapsucker. In 2020, they renamed a small prairie songbird found in Wyoming. To be called the Thick-Billed Longspur. The bird's original name was honoring John P. McCown, amateur naturalist who later became general for the Confederate Army. Oh, my God. Well, see, the guy discovered the bird, so they named the bird after him. But then he became a Confederate general. And because of that, see, that might be harmful to somebody. Can't do that. Another Wyoming bird that will likely be targeted is Hammond's flycatcher, named for former U.S. Surgeon General. They say he held racist views. Therefore, we got to change the name. And then um, State Senator Bob Davis R. Baggs, bird hunter, 
told Cowboy State Daily the name change are absolutely ludicrous. He mentioned that uh, calling a bird with a dark tone feather a blackbird can be deemed by some as racial profiling. Oh, I like this guy. Yo, you can't call that a blackbird. He's not a blackbird. He said there's a lot more important things we should be doing concerning that this than political correctness. Now, I wonder, when I take a look at this, this is the Audubon Society doing, right? I've wondered this the last time I told you guys about this story. Just because the Audubon Society decides that the bird now has a different name, does that mean we have to do that? Yeah, I, I don't think we have to go with it just because they say so. Well, I don't know. Does the Audubon Society officially name birds, or is that just their opinion? Because if they want to call the Audubon or the, the bird a different name, you can call it whatever you want. I don't care. I don't see how the rest of us have to follow suit with this. All right, so story says many birds have names that come from white men with objectively horrible pasts. According to Bird Names for Birds. Oh, that's actually a link. Hang on. Let me click on this. This is a website. It's called Bird Names for Birds. Uh-huh. Uh, the concept about um, horrific common bird names is not new, the website says. But the movement to see these names change is. Okay. Vast majority of common names were applied to birds by European and American naturalists during a period of time known as colonialism. Oh, there you go. See, they have to throw that in there. Because colonialism was going on, and these people who were discovering these birds along the way, a lot of times the birds wound up with their names, and they were colonialists and all sorts of other horrible things. Therefore, we have to go ahead and change the names of these birds. So there's a movement to do so. Now, again, I, I go back to this. Just because they're upset by this, and so they want to change the name, fine. They can call the bird whatever they want. But does that mean that the bird officially has a name change? I don't think the rest of us need to go along with that. We can. I, I'd like to send a note to this group, so call it whatever you want. I'm not going to change what I've been calling it, but you can do whatever you want. 642, wake up. When you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. Forty-eight. of time, it's Wake Up Wyoming, and Frank Campino is back in the icebox. So I went downstairs a little earlier and asked Frank if he had a nice restful vacation, and his answer was... Take two three-year-olds to Disney World, and you find out <laughs> exactly what your fortitude is. Yes, okay. It, I don't want to hear about the, the survival TV show, the Olympic Games. Right. Um... Yes. That's is that's right. <laughs> so you have all these, you know, it's a great, it's a great place. But, so, but, but, but all these yes, kids yeah. are on on a scale of one to ten. Uh -huh. They're they're on eleven. Okay. The parents at the end of the day they're uh -huh. on two. Yes, right. I can, yeah, can I, So this is why God invented duct tape, just so you know. Uh, yeah. Well. You know, yeah, kid, yeah. Okay. Just, now, did the kids at least nap on the way home? They, um. Yeah, I think oh, they. Okay. We, you know, my my brother really actually doesn't live very far. I mean, right. it's about ten minutes from Disney World. You know, but. Okay. 
Holy cow. I mean, oh, yeah, it's really I good. mean, I wish I'd have kept track of my steps. And then, you know, like, finally we got smart. We had a stroller that for two, you know? Yeah. Which some some of those strollers, by the way, is like over $1,000. Well, oh, anyway, wow. yeah. they're, they're nice, except that in traffic, mm-hmm. it's hard to kind of maneuver yes. in traffic. It really can be. Okay. You know, you don't uh, want to run people over or run other, other kids over, and then the kids want to get out of the stroller, and then they may get run over by another stroller. Like... Oh, my God. So the, the important question for me is, did you go to the haunted house? No, I don't think I got in there. Oh, okay. Because for me, when I've been to Disney, I have to go through the haunted house several times because it's my favorite stop. Did you see anything you wanted to see? Yeah, um, I got on I got on one ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the time, it was just because there was only five minutes to wait. Yeah. So you got to get that the fast pass thing, which yeah. kind of, you know, you got to pay $35. So, you know what? It was just for the, for the kids. It just, I just kind of wandered around. And, okay. You know, well, trust me, I'll, I'll go back. The nice thing is that, um, my brother knew somebody who got us in for free. Oh, oh that's nice. Now, I always got in for free because I was in the media. Yeah. Yeah. But now I got a media pass. But now, what I also found to do, it's good to go with family. Yeah. Like, it's always a great experience. It's very, very memorable. But also, try this, and I'm very serious. Someday, go to D- Disney, Epcot, and MGM, and go by yourself. Oh, I'm all over that. Yeah, because yeah. then you can go at your own pace to just what you want to go to, and you can stay as long as you want, yes. and nobody's dragging you anywhere. I've done that several times. You went to Disney alone and had a wonderful time. Oh, I agree. That's that's the ticket. Women's college basketball, the women Cowgirls picked up a really nice win last night, beating BYU and Laramie 86-74. Cowgirls had a terrific first half of play. They led 41-28 at the break and put the game away with a 31-point fourth quarter. Melina Peterson had 19 points to lead UW and was 6 of 6 from the free throw line. McKinley Dickerson, the former McKinley Bradshaw, had 17 points on 6 of 11 from the floor. Cowgirls are 4-2 and two on the season. They handed BYU their only loss, their first loss this season. They're 6-1 and one, and Wyoming will be on the road on Sunday afternoon to meet Oklahoma State. Next up for the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team will be a road game at Portland State. The Cowboys were drilled by 15th rated Texas back on Sunday, 86-63 so they're 4-2 and two on the year. They have displayed some serious improvement from a year ago, but they're not quite ready for the likes of an athletic team like Texas. Wyoming Cowboy football team awaits their bowl game invitation. That'll come out on Sunday. Folks are 8-4 and four after destroying Nevada to conclude the regular season 42-6. Various bowl predictions have them from the Boise Potato Bowl to the New Mexico Bowl to the Armed Forces Bowl. We'll see. Cowboys have a pair of players that are in first team all Mountain West Conference status. Middle linebacker Easton Gibbs is one of them. He is 29th in the nation in tackles this season. The other first round all Mountain West Conference pick is offensive lineman and Larry native Frank Crum. He started all 12 games from his left tackle spot. Casper native Jordan Bertinoli, a second team all conference pick from the defensive tackle spot. Quarterback Andrew Peasley, running back Harrison Whaley, tight end Trayton Wells, receiver Wyatt Whelan, and safety Wyatt Eckler, also named all conference honorable mention. And in the National Football League, here's a rundown of some of the uh, performances from former Wyoming Cowboy players over the weekend. Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen, 29 of 51 for 339 yards and two touchdown passes with an interception in their overtime loss to Philadelphia, 37-34. He also had 80 yard, 81 yards running the ball and two touchdowns. Allen has done his job for the most part, but the Bills are a mess. They are 6-6 six and six and this had a, this team had Super Bowl hopes. Casper Native and Cincinnati middle linebacker Logan Wilson had 10 tackles in their 
lost to Pittsburgh 16 to 10. The Bengals had Super Bowl hopes, but they're a mess too at five and six. San Francisco defensive back to Sean Gibson, uh, five tackles in the sack and their 31-13 win over Seattle. New Orleans defensive lineman Carl Granderson with 10 tackles and their 24-15 loss to Atlanta. And Las Vegas defensive back Marcus Epps with two tackles and their 31-17 loss to Kansas City. And that's it in sports. So, okay, how do you think in the last game UW football played? How do you think they, they, they did? They, they did exactly what they had to do. Okay. So, you know, this bowl game thing, there, there's, you know, it's like all these bowls are going, all right, who's going to bring the most people? Who's right. going to sell the most tickets? You know, can we get a game that there's some kind of appeal? You know, um, not, I think Wyoming, you know, brings a lot of folks when they've had games to Arizona and, and New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, when they, Boise, I'm not so sure. Not so sure. Okay. You know, well, well okay. it's a little bit okay. nippy out there. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. But bit, you never yeah. know, you know? Okay. Hey, you know, as long as everybody's having a good time on yep, the field. Yeah, no, and, and Wyoming fans do. So yeah, we'll find okay. out on Sunday. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Seven oh six of time. It's wake up, my Wyoming. My name's Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Wednesday. It's all over the hump. We go. See, hello there, my sister in Lake Wales. She says, bad news. They either chopped down or totally redid Haunted House in Disney. Well, I'm thinking I would go with probably totally redone because the technology in there was really old. Really cool, but really old. But I'd like to know that. I'll, I'll look that up after I get off the air. But okay. One of my favorite things at Disney is to go through the Haunted House over and over and over again. But, all right. All right. Moving on to the next story here. Why dot... Wyoming Department of Transportation would like to remind people, for the love of God, quit running into our snowplows. Yeah, here's a quote. We've already seen three snowplow hits in four days. A concerning trend as the winter season is just getting started, said Tom Morden, maintenance engineer, District 1, which covers southeast Wyoming. The plow strikes took place in, uh, well, it talks about where... I-80, of course, was part of it. Yeah, there was Interstate 25. And okay, so, but there were three strikes. Plows that are damaged are in the shop rather than out there on the highway. And nobody was hurt, as far as I know. Motors are encouraged to give plenty of room. Here's what I do when it comes to a snow plow. I know some people get a little impatient behind those things. They want to get around them. I don't. They're plowing in front of me and dropping dirt. I'll stay right behind them. I'm fine. And I don't get too close behind them either because even you've seen, for the, if you've been here long enough, you know, you've even seen snow plows have a problem when it gets really slick out there. But anyway, yeah, I just stay behind them. I don't try to get around them. All right. Three hits in four days. We're just getting started here. All right. Now, next story up, and we'll get into open phones probably kind of a little bit earlier today. So I keep complaining on this program about how government spends us into oblivion. And you notice I don't mention particular uh, political party when I say that because both political parties are guilty of it. We're in massive debt because of both political parties. 
currently the Democrats are just – it's insane what they're doing. But it, it, at times, Republicans have been just as bad. Well, let's take a look at our credit rating. The story in front of me says, once a symbol of America's economic might and accepted as a global coin of the realm – it's all fallen badly out of favor with serious consequences for taxpayers and investors. And that would be government bonds. But hold on, because a lot of people are invested in government bonds. I'll get back to that in just a moment. Here's why government bonds are not what they used to be. Moody, which is a credit firm of note, dims credit outlook for the federal government. The story says the last big three credit rating agencies to keep federal government's credit rating at AAA has put lawmakers on notice. There was already another credit agency a few years back who took away the AAA status. and just, I think they just made it AA, but let's see. Moody's Investor Service Plan has given the federal government a negative outlook, citing large deficits, high interest rates, and warning political interest and addressing the national deficit are paramount right now. Quote, the key driver of the outlook into a, a negative is Moody's assessment that the downsized risk of U.S. physical strengths have increased and may no longer be fully offset by the sovereign credit strengths. Boy, they get into a lot of, let's get away from the technical language here. We're borrowing too much money. It's out of control. We're borrowing money to pay our interest. Think about that. Imagine going to the bank to borrow money to pay off your interest from another bank. Not even working on the principal. Or for that matter, using your visa to pay the interest on your MasterCard. But you're not paying down the principal. You're just trying to keep up with the interest. That's what we're doing right now. Two other credit rating agencies have made the decision to downgrade the government credit rating from the highest AAA to AA. That's what I was talking about just a little bit earlier. So, okay, we're currently over $33 trillion in debt. Debt increases 23% to $879 billion. The, uh, th That's a record high for interest rates as well. as high. Boy, the interest rates are through the roof on this. So when Biden turns which he did about a year ago until I actually cut a trillion dollars. No, he didn't. He didn't. That's a lie. He never did that. In fact, he spent about $13 trillion more. Okay, but hold that. European stock markets climb as bets on rate cuts. European stock market mostly uh, climbed Wednesday as traders ramped up bets on the U.S. Federal Reserve cutting interest rates. And this comes back to trying to get control of the U.S. economy. But hold that thought. Here we go again. Back to where I started with this. Once a symbol of America's economic might, those who would like to buy bonds, not stock, but buy bonds. Because often, for the longest time, people thought buying bonds is where it was at. Those are guaranteed by the federal government. And you're not going to lose money on that. Well... Story says elementary economic forces, too much supply, not enough demand, have collided to create the worst stretch of U.S. government bonds since the Civil War. The government kept borrowing to cover its budget deficit. Once reliable, buyers of that debt, both home and abroad, have pulled back. 
The result, investors are demanding the steepest yields since 2007, that auctions of fresh bonds were once a routine thing. But bond portfolios are getting hammered, and so people aren't really showing up to buy like they were before, or much at all. Government is borrowing more than expected, increasing the supply of Treasury and, well, hurting the value. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is selling down its own holdings, dumping yet more bonds into the market that doesn't really want them. Well, there's just not a lot of demand that there was even six months ago, said Goldman Sachs. You can buy a six-month T-bill that yields about 5%. Why would you buy that instead of buying something that yields 4.5%? And Okay, it gets into all of the numbers. Again, I don't want to get into the weeds with all of the numbers here. I think you get the idea. And then it talks about some of the problems as to why. But most of it comes down to our debt, our constant borrowing, the way we spend that money, too, is is part of what people talk about, how we spend the money on some of the just the dumbest things. But all of this borrowing, it just continues, and no plan in place to cut back the size of government to save money, to not spend as much money. In fact, every time we talk about just a little bit of spending reduction in Washington, D.C., well, you've, you've heard the screeching that happens when you say that you just want to cut a little bit, even just even just 1%. Just cut, just cut 1%. Listen to the screaming, yelling that comes out of Congress and comes out of the bureaucracy. So at this point, it looks like, I think at this point, they have no choice other agencies to downgrade our credit rating. A few credit services have already downgraded us. A few more will at some point. And that's, we're still, we still have an A rating. There was AAA rating. Couple of rating firms brought us down to a double A. At some point, it's got to even not be an A. And at that point, the money you have in your wallet's in big trouble. And especially those of you who have a lot of bonds. 715, wake up one. Want to talk to Glenn? Call 888-97-WOODS or chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Seven twenty is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. Okay, so out of the weeds with the financial stuff. Let's get into something. You've heard me talk about well, quite a. You've heard quite a bit. It started in California, where California, the governor decided to ban the sale of the internal combustion engine for automobiles. And I think it was by 2035, I think is what he wanted to. But it was an, it's an executive order. And I'm thinking, he can't do that. It takes actually his House and Senate to pass a law, then he signs it. He just can't do that by executive order. Now, of course, there's some other states. And this is just one of the dumbest things out there. There's some other states that have it on the books that if California does something, they're going to do it. I don't know why they think that way when you consider the condition of California, but uh, California did it, so we're passing the same law. By golly. So, okay, here's something. I expect this to happen. I know there's several states now that have tried the same kind of executive order thing that we're going to ban the internal combustion engine by this time. And the question has been, are they actually able to do that? Well, 
Here's what I think slowly, quietly happens over a period of time. Headline reads, Connecticut quietly drops plan to ban gas-powered cars. Really? Okay. Because they had this all on the books and everything. Well, what happened? The story says, a plan to stop the sale of gas-powered cars in Connecticut appears heading for reconsidering. On Tuesday, lawmakers poised to vote on ending the purchase of those vehicles by 2035. Probably not going to happen. The governor will now hold a news conference in its place to talk about electric vehicles. It's happening at the same time a legislative committee was expected to vote on whether this state should ban the sale of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. Uh, Senate Republicans had been pushing back on the ban and the state's energy industry. The lawmakers were getting getting an earful from the public, I can imagine. The reasons were numerous, and that's been discussed in this program, in their effort to mimic California's disastrous policies. Connecticut Democrats were ignoring some obvious issues that they were not fully aware of. And that, again, Connecticut's one of those places that, well, California did it, so we pass it. If California passes a law, we pass the same law here in Connecticut, because, boy, California knows what's what, right? Sorry, says fully electric vehicles expensive. Even when you include generic government subsidies, average electric vehicle tends to cost... Well, it goes through the whole bit. We've talked about that extensively. We can go back again. Connecticut's power grid already struggling just to get through this, what we've just begun this winter. And their power grid's already struggling. Now, if everybody's driving an electric vehicle, how are they going to do this? Story says this transition will rapidly dump a huge additional load on it. And let's go back to California. When California, during the summertime, asked people with electric vehicles, could you not charge those vehicles for a little while? Because, especially during the peak times. Yeah, we're having trouble keeping up here. Home electric rates will inevitably rise on top of all of the other costs consumers are shouldering. Beyond all of their concerns, there remains uh, the fundamental value of consumer choice. See, I don't know if they forget this in Connecticut and California, but this is America. Did you know that? Yeah, it's supposed to be a free country. So if you decide that you want to buy a diesel or a gas or an electric or whatever else you want, you can do that. People like to have options, and they generally tend to want to make up their own minds. I know that's sort of I just, wow. You can make up your own mind about things? Incredible. You you get to decide. Rather than having the government do it for them, and the vast majority of people still like gas-powered cars. So Connecticut, the story says, needs to leave this question up to the court of public opinion. The author says if EV starts becoming really popular, will people go out and buy them? Sadly, the story says Democrats' first impulse always seems to be to ban anything that they don't approve of and and. They're going to make you like it whether you like it or not. But I like the idea here that Connecticut was all abuzz about, yep, we're going to do this, boy. Where everybody's going to be driving, we're going to ban them by 2035. And anybody who buys a new car, you can still buy a used gas-powered car. But new cars, no, they have to be electric. Which, by the way, is not really possible for them to do. As I explained before, all a, a buyer would have to do was cross state lines, buy what they want, and drive it back. 
That's all that's going to happen. And if they, in Connecticut, refuse to license those vehicles or something like that, well, that goes to court, obviously. All of this needs to go to court anyway. But that would also cause a lot of people just to leave the state to go get what they want. I wonder, should I do a band in Connecticut? I'll have to take a look at that. Well, okay, I'm going to go play the, the bit again here. But remember the band in California bit? I thought about this years ago. I'm going to open up a chain of retail stores along the California border. And anything that's banned in California, I'm going to sell at that chain of retail stores. Well, hang on. Here's the original commercial. Find yourself living in California and able to buy less and less of the basic fun and necessities of life? Well, now you can shop free at will because of a new chain of stores opening up on the California border. It's Banned in California. Yes, Banned in California provides all the products that you're no longer allowed to buy inside the California border. Guys, have you been wanting to buy that new fur coat for the little lady? What about that massive, energy-guzzling, big-screen TV. You'll find it on sale now at Band in California. Serious lawnmowers that get the job done and big SUVs. And yes, to keep those little kitties happy, get them a Happy Meal with extra trans fat in the food court, of course. And feel free to walk around and smoke inside while the little lady goes to the tanning bed. Yes, Band in California, now located at every state location along the California border. Open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Leave immigrants on staff to show you how to speak back across the border with everything you purchased. So then I did one for Band in Colorado, because Colorado tends to mirror California. Should I do a Band in Connecticut? If you think about this, if I actually open this up as a retail chain, if, if I didn't just have it as a comedy bit on the air, but I actually opened it as a chain of retail stores, I'd be rich. I'd be stinking rich. Anything that's banned in Connecticut or Colorado or California. You can name a few other states, too. Just drive across the border, buy it with us, and we have illegal illegal immigrants on staff to help you sneak right back across your border with whatever it is you purchase. Then let your state go ahead and do something about it after that. But that's going to happen anyway. It typically does when something is, well, they try to ban it or they do ban it in another state. People just go across the board, even when they raise taxes. I've told you guys this before. One of my favorite examples, New York City has the highest taxes and regulations on cigarettes to try to get people to stop smoking altogether. And yet, if you would like to buy cigarettes that are not taxed or regulated at all, go to New York City because the underground economy is booming. Can you imagine? I would think that this would be the case. I'm, I'm going to think about this a little bit because I think this would be the case. Can you imagine if they did stop the sale of the internal combustion engine in states like California and Connecticut and so on? Do you think there would be an underground market for it? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't see a whole lot in dealership and so on, but you wanted a new car and you live in that state. You could always go to another state and buy it. Or could there be an underground market for it? I've never thought about that before. I mean, there are for things like cigarettes and so on, but coming up on some local news update on your weather forecast, it's Wake Up Wyoming.
Wake Up Wyoming goes anywhere you do with the Wake Up Wyoming app. Free download for Apple and Android. This is K2 Radio. Seven thirty-six at time. Wake up, Wyoming. I kind of figured if I'd mentioned this, there's going to be some people out there who are going to chime in. It's a interesting idea. So, yeah, some states—Connecticut, uh, California, a couple of other states—want to try to ban the internal combustion engine. You won't be able to buy gas-powered automobile or diesel or anything like that. And I thought, well, they really can't do that. But let's say they go ahead and try anyway. So what would naturally happen? Now, of course, what always happens is people just buy stuff across the border. That's always the case. I just go across the border, they buy it, they bring it back. Not a big deal. But then there's also an underground market. So when a state tries to ban something, and a lot of states have something they try to ban, it just creates an underground market for it. So in other words, it doesn't stop the behavior. It just pushes it underground. And we can talk about a lot of different things that have been pushed underground because government tried to ban something from prohibition on alcohol to uh, marijuana and other such prohibitions, to cigarette taxes and regulations, heavy cigarette taxes and regulations. That just pushes it all underground. So, Cal in Gillette, right now I would have to say that the underground market is in diesel vehicles without... Okay, I can see that. Yeah, well, my question was, so California bans... The sale of new internal combustion engines by, I think it's 2035, they want to do that. So, yeah, a lot of people just, they want to buy a new car, they'll just go out of state and bring it back. But would that create a new car underground market in California? Now, I don't think you would see an entire lot filled with automobiles for sale that wouldn't be underground, that'd be obvious. But would it happen? I think, yeah, absolutely. Al in Hillsborough says fireworks are sold at the Pennsylvania state line to get people from New York and New Jersey. That's true. I think we do that here in Wyoming as well, right? Uh, okay. So, uh, but yeah, are, are fireworks sold underground? Instead? Sure. So oftentimes when government tries to ban something, you're not allowed to do that and people just go ahead and do it anyway. And occasionally you hear that somebody gets caught. It happens. And they're made an example of. But does that stop the underground market? No, it really doesn't. It just makes people act in a different way. They'll still get what they want. Despite government trying... Well, you're not going to see it out in the open. But they're still going to get what they want. So again, that makes me wonder. So, do you think... Well, just take California as an example. If they actually do this banning of sales of new internal combustion engines, vehicles, do you think there would be some kind of underground market? And I say, I bet limited. It wouldn't be huge. It wouldn't. I don't think it would really be huge. Again, how do you open up an entire car lot? But, yeah, there's going to be people making backroom deals. Somebody's going to drive in uh, or bring in some really nice car. And we're going to mainly do this with people who have money. It's going to mainly, I think, just I think, people who mainly have some good money will decide that they want to buy some really nice car, but they can't get it in California. And rather than having to go all the way out of state to get it, they'll just get a hold of somebody that they know who can provide it. 
And next thing you know, they have it. Now, the only downside to this is and you're going to have to figure out the paperwork. Because with a lot of other things, people buy and sell it and there isn't any paperwork. I mean, if if you want to buy something that has been banned in another state that usually it's just at a basic retail store, who's going to know if it's an underground cash sale? But with a vehicle, you got to register the thing, which means there's going to be a market in paperwork. Fraudulent paperwork is going to become part of that marketplace. There's going to be people whose job it is to create, which online today with today's computers, easy, piece of cake, easy to do. Online today, you will find people who already fraudulently make all sorts of paperwork. In fact, let's go back to 2020 during the whole big COVID thing. And people were supposed to get their vaccinations, but they didn't want to get their vaccinations. An underground industry popped up where you can get paperwork to show, well, I got my vaccination, and it was bogus paperwork that people were showing. Yeah, see? Yeah, I got my vaccinations. There were people online providing forged documents to show that, oh, yeah, I got my... So that way people could continue to work or continue to travel or whatever the case may be. So there's always some underground market for stuff like this, which means they never really stop it, which is why I go back to a state like California or Connecticut. Well, to save the planet, we're going to ban the sale of the internal combustion engine. My answer is that isn't going to happen. You can try. You really can. But, you know, it's not going to be as easy as you think just to outright ban it like that. This is a whole lot different than banning the incandescent light bulb. We're talking something different here. 742, wake up. Got something to say to Glenn? Use the chat on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app and get your opinions straight to the studio with K2 Radio. 745 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day from Day Weather. So where I'm at, Don... It's a little on the cool side, not cold, I would say, by Wyoming standards. Cool and kind of breezy out there. It is. Uh, we still have some cold pockets where that snow covers deep, like over in Roundlander and Riverton. But elsewhere, temperatures are really about where they should be for the last days of November, heading into early December. Okay. Now, we go through the next couple of days here. I know there's a little bit of a change, nothing major, but it's a little bit, right? Tomorrow and Friday will be a little colder. Okay. Uh, we've got a storm system that will slip across Arizona and New Mexico, drawing in some colder Canadian air. But really through Friday, there's not much going on. The weekend now, though, is looking a little more complicated than it did just a day or two ago. We've got a very moist, strong jet stream that's going to be cutting across Wyoming from late Friday through probably Monday. And this is a good way to make it snow in the high country. So the high country, the mountain passes are, are going to get some snow. The lower elevations in this pattern can have some very windy conditions, but we also can't rule out some snow showers as well. Okay. So, and and we do have uh, those windy conditions are, it looks like in the usual suspect areas like I-25, you know, places like that, right? Yeah, the three C's, Casper, Cody, Cheyenne. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Those areas will will, will see the worst of the wind, the areas east of the mountains. We get into next week, though, now. We're still, I don't see anything yet anyway that shows any major changes other than we just continue slowly getting colder. We, we've got this system this week to deal with. And early to mid next week, we've got high pressure coming right back in. Kind of where we're at now, 
That'll happen probably from late Monday through Thursday of next week. The weekend of the 9th and 10th, I do think we're going to have something larger come through. Uh, that is going to threaten the region with colder temperatures and, and maybe some snowfall. We'll have to see that. Uh, but there's nothing really warm coming either. I think we're just transitioning into an early winter pattern. Okay. See, now I was looking at because next week I'm on vacation, so I'm gone all next week. Okay. So uh, I did notice that I'm looking at the forecast for down below Orlando where I'm visiting my sister, and it looks like I'm bringing some cold weather with me. I'm not sure if they're going to be happy about that. Well, they will, of course, blame you. Yeah, right, yeah. I'm hoping when I come back I bring some of the warm weather with me, but I'm kind of doubting that at this point. <laughs> well, if that happens, we just may have to send you back. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. Don Day with Dave Weather. So, all right. Sorry about that, sister dear, but as I head on down to Florida, I, I'm watching that forecast. And All right, off we go to Frank Gambino, who's back in the icebox over here. I just saw an article on the Wake Up Wyoming website. I'm going to have to try this. It's a new brand of coffee being produced here in Wyoming. Don't we have enough brands of coffee? Uh, no. Oh, we don't? Yes, and this one is called Moose Drool. I thought that was a beer, too. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Big Sky Brewing Company. Okay, there you go. Uh, one of those beers, uh, Moose Drool Brown Ale. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now they've decided to try coffee. So South Dakota, yeah. Wyoming, So Montana, Moose Drool like Coffee. Coffee, yeah. I now, wonder if it's like that hard coffee that people like to sell now. You mean the sort of like the real hard bitter flavors? Well, no, no, they have oh. booze in it. Oh, is that what you think? He's got hard booze coffee in it. now. Oh. Even even Mountain Dew, right? Is has a hard version of it. Do they? I'd never heard of it. And I love when I grew grew up. I drank way too much Mountain Dew. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was just. Which of course, that's one of the reasons why in my youth I peed like a racehorse. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay. But, but, I mean, let's, let's be frank about it, Frank. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what Mountain Dew does to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to pound those. I was, finally, I realized it was too much. Oh. And that's because, here's where I realized it was too much with the Mountain Dew. Uh, some very attractive young lady that I was dating, uh, gave me a hug and she had her head on my chest. And then she looked up and said, Are you having a heart attack? No, 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 no. I was just pounding some Mountain Dew. <laughs> so, no, it was the, my, my heart is pounding for, for you. you. See, and that's why I never had any luck with women, Frank, if I, I mean. could have thought about that. <laughs> okay, so Moose Drool. Let yeah, me Moose see. Drool, yeah. Uh, go through the Natural Grocers 2nd Street in Casper, turn the corner on the aisle, and it's got a very nice package. Big Sky Brewing Company, Montana, USA, Moose Drool Coffee. And this does not have any booze in it. It's just a bag of coffee beans. Oh, you got to grind it yourself. Well, yeah. it does say. Oh, you're passing on that. You don't do the grinding yourself. Well, no, no. I want. I want to grind it when I buy it in the bag. Oh, okay. Right then and there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't mind grabbing. I have coffee. I go. I like. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds, but from Cheyenne, Wyoming, Snow Ale Coffee. Oh, okay. It's really good, and I have a big bag of that stuff in a freezer at home. So on the weekends, I scoop a little bit of that out. And grind it myself, which keeps it nice, fresh coffee. See? See, now that works much better that way. But then you have to go through the... Here's the problem, Frank. That means on a Saturday morning, you have to get up early and right away get busy grinding coffee. Pass. No? Okay. Pass. Yeah. Glenn, we're in a I want it now era. Now. 
Women's College Basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls with a really, really nice win last night, beating BYU and Laramie 86-74. Cowgirls with a terrific first half, and they led 41-28 at the break and put the game away with a 31-point fourth quarter. Melina Peterson with 19 points to lead UW. She was 6 of 6 from the free throw line. McKinley Dickerson, the former McKinley Bradshaw, had 17 points on 6 of 11 from the floor. Cowgirls are 4-2 and two and handed BYU their first loss of the season, so they're 6-1, and one. and Wyoming will be on the road at Oklahoma State on Sunday afternoon. Next up for the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team will be a road game at Portland State. The folks were drilled by 15th rated Texas back on Sunday, 86-63. Cowboys are 4-2 and two and they have displayed improvement from a year ago, but they're not quite ready for the likes of an athletic team like Texas. Wyoming Cowboy football team awaits their bowl game invitational, invitation, and that'll come out on Sunday. They're 8-4 and four after destroying Nevada to conclude the regular season 42-6. Various bowl predictions have them anywhere from the Boise Potato Bowl to the New Mexico Bowl to the Armed Forces Bowl. We'll, we'll see. Cowboys do have a pair of players that earned first-team All-Mountain West Conference status. Middle linebacker Easton Gibbs is one of them. He was 29th in the nation in tackles this season. The other first-team All-Mountain West Conference pick is offensive lineman and Laramie native Frank Crum. He started all 12 games from his left tackle spot. Casper native Jordan Bertinoli, second-team All-Conference pick from the defensive tackle spot. Quarterback Andrew Peasley, running back Harrison Whaley, tight end Trayton Welch, receiver Wyatt Whelan, and safety Wyatt Eckler, also named All-Conference uh, Honorable Mention. National Football League, here's a rundown of how some of the former Wyoming Cowboy players did over the weekend. Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen, 29 of 51 for 339 yards, two touchdown passes and an interception in their overtime loss to Philadelphia, 37-34. He also had 81 yards running the ball and two touchdowns. Allen has done his job for the most part, but the Bills are a mess. They are 6-6, six and six, and this was a team that had Super Bowl hopes. Casper Native and Cincinnati middle linebacker Logan Wilson at 10-10 tackles in their loss to Pittsburgh 16-10. to Bengals a team with Super Bowl hopes, but they are a mess too at 5-6. and six. San Francisco defensive back to Sean Gibson, five tackles in a sack in those 31-13 went over Seattle. New Orleans defensive lineman Carl Grandison with 10 tackles in their 24-15 loss to Atlanta. Las Vegas defensive back Marcus Epps with a couple of tackles in their 31-17 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's in sports. What does Josh Allen do about that team? Well, it's not him. Yeah, and that's one of the not, not, not in this game on, yeah. uh, on the, but, against, no. against the Eagles. Um, they need help on defense. They need yes. help uh, someone else to run the ball. they got to stop dropping passes. Yes. And, yeah. and, and and you can look at Allen on the sideline, and he's like... God. Well, that's what, why what? that's why I'm asking. What do you do about his team? Not him. Oh, no, it's not him. Yeah. What 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 do you do? Well, you get rid of some people. Well, no, you say, uh, can you guys play better? Because we, you know, yes. we thought you were better than. You want your bonuses, guys? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that might help. They, out. they got issues. To the yeah. They do. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we got to take it. Hey, I'll roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. You and I get back into it. Wake up, Wyoming. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. It's a Wednesday, so over the hump we go. Okay, stop the music. I have a question. So, um, 
just asking for a friend here, not, you know, just... No, no one I know, you know, just just his friend here. I just heard news top of the hour. Not the news you listen to, because I often in the studio listen to something different. That's just what comes over my speakers, okay? And they were talking about a story in Florida where some people have been arrested and are facing charges for fraud because they were selling fake college degrees. Hmm. I wonder how much a fake college degree is. The reason I'm asking, asking for a friend here, just asking. The reason is many college degrees today, not all. I'm not going to put down all because there are many college degrees that are worth it, that do get people into good professions. Don't, please don't get the idea that I'm against college degrees. I'm not. But there are many college degrees that are totally useless. The person spends a ton of money puts themselves massively in debt and they walk away with a bunch of degrees that don't do them any good. They can't get a job with it. But now they're massively in debt because of it. Or maybe for a lot less money you can go buy a fake college degree as long as nobody knows it's fake. You can always say you didn't know it was fake, right? But, I mean, really... For a hell of a lot less money, you get a fake college degree in the same stuff. The real college degree is useless. In fact, you can probably get a fake college degree in something that's actually useful. Whereas it's hard to do that in some universities, you know. But okay, just just tossing it out there. Uh, if a college degree, if you got a college degree in something useless, then why did you go to an actual college to get it? You could have just gone and gotten yourself a fake college degree for a lot less money. The degree is just as useful, right? Sure. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven woods the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D. This is the part of the show where you can talk about what I'm talking about, change the subject, however you want to do it. I'll go ahead and just kind of roll with it. All right, this next one is not going to make you happy. Sorry. Cowboy State Daily. Get ready to pay more for electricity. As they're ending deliberations on this whole thing, customers of Rocky Mountain Power who hope for an easy answer to their electric rates are going to be in January 1st. Well, Tuesday, the Wyoming Public Service Commission ended its deliberations of Rocky Mountain Power proposed rate hikes. It could be up to 30%. Not quite 30%, but up to close to it. The commission wrestled with lots of numbers and complicated concepts on a multiple policy points before concluding its day-long deliberations with a resolution that gave nobody at all what they hoped. And while the tedious weight of Rocky Mountain Power's proposal, the story says rate increase is not over, it's going to take a while to crunch all the numbers and total up how much Wyoming customers will end up paying for electricity. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say there's going to be some rate increase. 
I, at the beginning of this, you and I were talking about it, obvious conclusion. When they want up to close to 30% increase, they know they're not going to get that. But if they got half of that, they'd be happy at Rocky Mountain Power. That's what I think is really going on, right? So despite still having to calculate overall rate increase, the story says the commission did make one thing clear. Wyoming isn't going to pay for Washington State's climate mitigation policies, which in part we had been. With legislators and other parties urging the commission to simply deny the entire rate increase, Chairman Mary Throne took plans to explain that the commission is duty-bound by law to accept not only prudently incurred costs, but a reasonable return for the company's investments, one that's uh, commensurate with uh, supply situations and so on. Quote, failure to follow these principles and allow appropriate recovery of rates could result in a finding that, well, in simple terms, when the evidence supports a rate increase, the commission lacks the authority to deny it. The interpretation has been bolstered uh, in cases in the legal system as well. So, in other words, if Rocky Mountain Power doesn't get, the the way I'm interpreting this, if Rocky Mountain Power doesn't at least get something, they can always go to court over it because they don't want to go bankrupt. We, in, In their eyes, they don't want to go bankrupt. They need something. That concept applies not just to rate payers but to compensation from utility companies' costs. So, the story says, the deliberation of the rate case started with a discussion of what is the base net power cost. What should that be? Net power costs make about 95% of Rocky Mountain Power's total rate request, which has two components. Part one is a 21.9% overall increase, which is subject to the current rate case. The other part is 7.6% temporary increase to cover unexpected High fuel costs. That, that's where they get the near 30%. And the unexpected cost, the temporary one, they're saying, suddenly there was a spike in natural gas prices. A throne proposed adopting a base power of 298.7 million dollars for Wyoming's allocation costs of the parent company. All right. There's a lot. This is a good story. There's a lot of details here in the Wyoming or the Cowboy State Daily article. So if you want to dig into all of the details, you can. What I pretty much get out of this is, I don't know. They have to go sit and behind closed doors, I guess. I don't know, but it's probably open to the public and sit and talk about this and figure out what they're going to do. Now that they have all the information, they've heard from you, the public, this commission. They've heard from Rocky Mountain Power. They've gotten all the information they can, all the numbers. Now they got to figure out what to do with that. And again, if Rocky Mountain Power isn't satisfied with the answer, they could always go to court. We'll see how that works out as well. So what the increase will end up being, I think there will be some. What it's going to be, I don't know. But something. What we got to avoid being, though, is like what Texas is going through. They fell into this trap. Of all states, Texas fell into this trap. California, definitely. And they're not the only two. Most of Europe fell into this trap where there's abundant energy ready to go, but we can't use it. And because of that, rates are going through the roof. And energy is becoming less and less reliable. And we all know why. We could go back to using power the way we used to. 
which was not dirty. Okay? And we don't need to do the whole carbon sequestration thing. Enough of that nonsense. That's raising your rates too, by the way. Carbon sequestration in Wyoming is raising your rates as well. So got to find a way to reduce these prices. And the way to do it is the way we used to do it. And that means ending also a lot of government subsidies because it's your federal government, Biden administration, that's pushing toward uh, the way we produce energy, not just wind and solar, but even the way we use natural gas and coal and the carbon sequestration. All of this adds up to, well, this gets really expensive, doesn't it? 8.15 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Where Wyoming comes to talk, this is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. Twenty is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. All right, triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number that's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D. I think there's a whole bunch of people. You hear me talking to them, and you might wonder, well, who the hell is Glenn talking to? Well, it's not, well, it's because we have the Wake Up Wyoming app, free to download at your app store, and there's the chat option on the app. So you can go ahead and just hit chat and send me text messages, and I answer back both on and off the air. Jake is in Casper. Hello, Jake. Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Good, sir. What you got? Hey, I seen that you posted this morning an article about Cam Anderson and Gillette uh, looking right. to get into wind turbine blade recycling. Right. Yep. So we're working on that, just on a different side of that uh, company that we started is called Reviable Energy. And I find it very interesting, and I'm glad to see there's another company in Wyoming looking to get into this and figure out a solution we all know what happens here in Casper, yeah. the landfill. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of information on that, and I'd love if you can get me hooked up with those guys. But sure. I just wanted to reach out and throw out there if they're listening. I love it. Thanks for uh, about, jumping in yeah. there. We need more Wyoming people on it. About all I had, if you check the Gillette News record, you can do that online. That's where I saw the story. They had a little bit more information about them. But what they're doing is they're working in... Uh, with Laramie, and it's a, like I said in my story, sort of like a contest to see who can get the grant money, you know, for this. So I don't think they have a company so much as an idea, and they're entering the competition, you know, to do this. Well, but, well, that's great. I, with them being from Wyoming, I'd love to help them out. Sure. Uh, you know, we've been working with about a dozen companies across the nation uh, yeah. trying to solve this problem also, yeah. and it's a ever-changing thing, and Okay. Every new idea is helping a little bit, so congratulations to yeah. them. Well, now, again, go if you can find it, go check out the Gillette News record. They're the ones who initially prompted me on the story there. Now, I'd like to know, I don't want you to give away any trade secrets there, but their idea was you can heat up these wind turbine blades and basically oozing out of it will come some things that you can reuse. Uh, some of the oils and so on that you can reuse for other things. And that also separates it from the fiberglass, which you can use the fiberglass for something else. Absolutely. And uh, there's definitely things that I've learned over the last few years that I could help them out, point them in the right direction. Okay. Um, but absolutely, there, there are so many options and, and ways that we can do this. And, and not only will it help the wind industry, yeah. but you can also help out the oil and gas industry at the same time. It's very interesting, the methods that are being found out there. Okay. Um, 
and like I said, just I'm excited to hear that another Wyoming company is trying to tackle this yeah. problem. All right. Well, thanks for calling or in. I person. appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. Um, well, I think he's with somebody else who tried to contact me online earlier with more information. And what I wrote up in my article, which you can read on the Wake Up Wyoming site, yeah, there's a couple of guys up in Gillette who are entering basically to see if they can win the prize money to help get this started. And with an, their own idea of how to recycle wind turbine blades and do something else with them. Because right now, they're piling up in landfills. And, and the, Casper is not, the last I heard, Casper is not taking them anymore. For a while, Casper was taking them in the landfill, but there was a big backlash on that, and they stopped doing it. So then what about the rest of the country? Because there's other places where they're still being buried because wind turbine blades, are the, on one hand, they're really lightweight. But on the other hand, they have to be really strong. And so after the blade has reached its lifespan, which is roughly, I mean, it could be anywhere from 15 to 20 years, depending on the conditions that they're in, then they got to be taken off and replaced with something else, another blade. What do you do with the old blade? And up till now, it's been very difficult because these things are just so damn hard to grind up, chew up, and use for something else. That's been the problem. So people are trying to figure out what to do, how to recycle these things. And I'm sure somebody will come up with something else. My main complaint, though, is, as I've said many times over, not clean, not green, not not sustainable, not affordable, definitely not reliable. And I'm tired of them chopping up birds and bats. On that note, oh, let me see. Uh, Rough Mule... Is sending me a note here. Hang on, I'm opening up your note here. Okay. Um, he says, one of the things Texas is doing is grinding them up and mixing them with asphalt for roads. I've heard that too, and I want to know where that's going. Here's what I mean by that. Some years ago, this is a long time ago. If, for those old enough to remember, we used to just have, for our automobiles, rubber tires, right? Then people started putting steel-belted radial tires together. And that was a new thing. Now they pretty much all are because it helps reinforce the tire and helps keep it longer. But the problem is then what do you do with all of those tires, especially the steel-belted radial ones, because there's all that steel in them. Somebody had the idea, what if we just grind up tires and use them in making asphalt? Sounds great, right? So, okay, they did that. And then, and, and they always do test roads. You might in your area someday see a sign somewhere that says the stretch of road the next couple of miles is a test road, meaning they have new material. They, what if we built a road out of this with this combination of materials? And they lay it out there and just see what happens. Well, the roads that were made out of tires started catching fire. Mainly because of the steel belts, the the steel little, you know, uh, they're very thin. You know what it looks like. And steel belted radios, that was the main culprit there. What happened is they would heat up between average daytime sun and hot car tires running over them all day long. The roads get really hot. And those little strips of steel in there would get even warmer. And that would ignite the rubber and all the other petroleum products that are in your road. Because you can't make a road without petroleum product, right? And so now you got a road on fire. Yeah, so they stopped that idea. So what I'm wondering is when it comes to grinding up 
wind turbine blades and adding them into the material that makes the road. Sounds great when you say it that way. But now what they have to do is lay it out on the test road and just watch what happens. Does that actually work or is there some problem that they don't know about that's going to crop up? We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Let's see. I got to know. Oh, and by the way, several people have done this. This is uh, Jake sending me a note. Jake, you owe me a second letter N. Over the past two days, a whole bunch of people have written me and they've just included one N. Jake, send me just, all I want you to do is go back to the chat and just type the letter N and send it. That's all you need to do. I'll add it where it needs to be. There's two N's in my name. All right. Uh, Casper is accepting blades, just not on the massive scale that they did in the past. Okay. I did not know that. I was under the impression that they ex- stopped accepting blades altogether, but you're saying not to the extent that they were before. Okay. I still say that this just adds to so many of the other problems that you have with wind and solar. First off, you cannot make this without mining, without petroleum products, and without coal. Wind, solar, electric vehicles. So for those people who want to keep all of that in the ground, you can't. And then there's the problem with all of the toxic waste and all of the animals that they kill and interfere with. So I I don't I still don't understand why we're doing this. And then we have a form of energy that's not less expensive. It's more expensive and less reliable. We're paying so much for so much more for something that's not at all reliable and is not at all doing anything to help save wildlife or the planet. And yet it's still sold as clean, green, renewable, reliable, affordable, etc. It's just not. All right, coming up on some local news, we have to take care. Right after local news update on your weather forecast. Then I have a nice long segment of open phones. So 888-97 was the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. It's Wake Up Wild. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Got something to say? Chat him on the Wake Up, Wyoming mobile app or call 888-97-WOODS. Eight thirty-six. the time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. Okay, as long as we were, we got into, because of a caller who was uh, talking about a article that I have up on the Wake Up Wyoming site. We got into the whole wind turbine thing. Here's a story that I came across this morning. According to the UN, maybe the planet isn't warming that quickly. Well, look at it this way. Picture the charts and graphs that you've seen. Well, our predictions are that the planet will warm by this much by this date. Well, have we gotten warmer? A little bit. Anywhere near the time scale or the amount that they said? No. No. But then the planet goes through warming and cooling all the time, so that's perfectly natural. The story in front of me says the world is heading for considerably less warming than projected decades ago, but that's good news. It was overwhelmed by much more pain from the current cult of climate change scientists. That's just one, the story says, of a set of seemingly contradictory 
contradictions facing climate negotiations this week in Dubai for the Marathon United Nations talks that include a first-ever assessment of how well the world is doing in its battle against global warming. It's also a conference where one of the central topics will be whether organic fuels like coal, gas, and oil should be phased out. But it will be run by the CEO. <laughs> it will be run by the CEO of an oil company. Key to the session's uh, fight is the first global stock take on climate. When the countries look at what's happening since the 2015 Paris Agreement, and what they find out is they are really off track here. The two, there's two primary ways to take a look at this data. First, the group concluded that in 2015, we were facing an average temperature increase of 3.5 degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels. That figure is now completely off the table. The revised figures is a little over 2 degrees Celsius. Uh, and the second conclusion is that many countries are not meeting their global emissions. Well, I got news for you. None of the countries are meeting their, meeting their global emission standards. Anywhere. Nobody is. The AP refers to, AP News refers to these findings as contradictory and confusing, you think? If you're following all of this so far, your head should be spinning. So they predicted far more warming than we're getting. We're not getting anywhere near the warming that they predicted. And at the same time, nobody's meeting their climate goals. Nobody. And at the same time, the world is actually using more coal, gas, and oil than ever before. Now, I'm not going to. I'm not picking on the guy, Doug. I am not picking on you, uh, Doug, our man in Cheyenne, who's the news guy at our Cheyenne, Wyoming radio station. He sent me a note. What is it with me all of a sudden and eating bugs? He wanted to know if it was me going back to my childhood days, like I ate bugs or something like that. No, never did eat bugs. But what's with all the eating bugs stuff he wanted to know? So I sent him an article, one of the articles that I've been uh, talking to you guys about, uh, about eating bugs. And how the United Nations, and this talk that they're having now in this Recent climate meeting where all of these people get in their planes, uh, big corporate jets, and fly from all over the world to stay in these fa these hypocrites, climate hypocrites, to stay in these fancy hotels. I love last time they had one of these meetings, there was a couple of leaders of some European countries who wanted to show how they were working and encourage other people to work to save the planet. And so they rode up to the hotel where they were meeting at, or conference hall, whatever it was, on bicycles. Now, of course, what they did was they had their limousines with a whole bunch of SUVs for security, drive them within a quarter mile of where they were supposed to have this big climate, world climate meeting. They got out of their limousines, they got on bicycles, and they rode the last quarter mile. So they could be seen showing up on bicycles. All right, so here's one of the stories that I can... This is an, an update on stories I've been uh, reading to you for a while. I like the title. UN says you can't has cheeseburger. It's 81 in Dubai right now, 81 degrees in Dubai, with a low tonight of 73. Sounds like great, right? Well, by George, there's one uh, scheduled United Nations Climate Change Conference 
And they have to have it. It's COP28, COP28. And they have to have this in one of the warmest places. Because remember in the past they've had these climate summits in places where they said the planet's warming and we're never going to see snow again and they were snowed out? That's actually happened in the past. U.N. Secretary General, don't let them pull your leg. The ice <clears throat> melting is due to, well, it's really not. In fact, the South Pole, we have more ice. Yeah, it turns out ice in Antarctica has been growing for the past few years, not melting. Oh, gosh, what are they going to do with that information? And the BBC is, you know, they, they have live reporters there interviewing each other about climate change. The COP28 is taking place right now, and someone has taken a picture of all of the airplanes arriving. 70,000 attendees from around the world, 1,000 private jets, motorcades of the finest, most carbon-hungry vehicles on the planet. That's what's arriving right now. And yet at the same time, these people are telling you, you can't have any more meat because eating all of that meat is is harming the planet. But do you wonder what's on the menu during this climate meeting? Yeah. The U.N., uh, and I'm looking at from the Federalists, U.N. set to amplify the war on meat at their upcoming COP28 climate conference. And yet at the same time, on the menu is steak. A third of the world's food production is at risk from climate crisis, they found. At the same time, our food system is one of the most key contributors to climate breakdowns and greenhouse gas emissions, they say. Then they try to talk you into eating bugs. They talk about cow burps, things like this. In the meantime, they show up in about a thousand corporate jets all at once. They arrive there in row after row of limousines and big, thirsty SUVs. And then they go have these meetings where when it's time to take a break, and we're talking breakfast, lunch, dinner, stuff like that, there's always meat on the menu. Now, since they're trying to push us to eat bugs, I want to see these people, and there's about 70,000 of them from around the globe at this climate conference. I want to see them sit down at their dinner tables for these big conferences. And I want to see on their plates mealworms and crickets and all these other things that they expect you and I to eat. But you know they're not going to do that, right? Of course not. They're only going to they're only going to serve the finest, but they don't have to worry about eating the finest because you and I we paid for it. They didn't. It's all at taxpayer expense. And then when it's all over, they're going to feel great about themselves. They're going to climb back into the limousines, which will take them back to the airports, which will get back on their corporate jets, about a thousand corporate jets, and fly back to their countries where they will wag their fingers at their own people in their own countries, telling them, you have to reduce your climate footprint and quit eating meat. 845, wake up. Live and local, all across Wyoming. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS or the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Hey, 
748 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Frank, uh, did you ever have a Walgreens around you? Oh. Wal- a, well, sorry, Woolworths. Woolworths. Yes, Woolworths, yes. Okay. Wait, the, the, I didn't think we had the one with the with the counter. Yeah. Maybe as a kid, I believe we did. I think they had one in Casper, though, okay. right downtown. Like, Remember the, the lunch counter that Woolworths had? Yes. Now, the reason I bring that up is because on my social media was an old menu from Woolworths. And someone asked the question, did you ever eat at Woolworths? And yes. Of course you did. My mom would have to go off on, you know, errands and so on. She would take me. And we got to lunchtime. We wound up in Woolworths because she would have to, you know, she'd be there shopping for stuff. And there's lunch. Okay. Okay. So let's see. Uh, hamburger platter. It's a quarter pound jumbo hamburger on a toasted bun. Toasted bun. Mm-hmm. A slice of lettuce, coleslaw, and French fries. Fifty-five cents. Yeah, and that's when quarter pounders were mm-hmm. actually yes. quarter pounders. And a cheeseburger platter to add cheese on that oh, is sixty it, cents. Oh, a nickel. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, why is it a dollar now? Mm, right. I mean, Frankfurter dinner. Now, this I loved. Okay, so they take uh, two hot dogs. First, they put a bunch of beans on your plate. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they put a hot dog on either side to yeah. sort of, you know, uh, box it in there. Yeah. And then there's a little thing of coleslaw there. That lunch costs 50 cents. Mm-hmm. Frank and beans. There you go. Grilled ham and egg platter, which I always loved, which was ham, scrambled eggs, french fries, potatoes, and a slice of buttered bread, 60 cents. Now, I got to add it to this also, Frank. The portion size back then was a lot smaller than today. Right. Which which re- was reflected in the prices. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But also reflected in the size of the people at Woolworths back then. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Three-decker club sandwiches. Three-decker. Bacon and tomato, 45 cents. Bacon, ham, and cheese, 50 cents. Bacon, ham, and tomato, 50 cents. Boy, I would have got a bag of those. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, then, of course, they have baked ham, ham mm-hmm. salad, everything. Oh, if you want, like, egg salad, like an egg salad sandwich, lunch is going to cost you an entire 25 cents, Frank. So wow. Cough it up. Those were the days. In the National Football League, here's a rundown of some of the former Wyoming Cowboy players that the, who did over well, what they did over the weekend. Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen, 29 of 51 for 339 yards and two touchdown passes with an interception in their overtime loss to Philadelphia, 37-34. He also had 81 yards running the ball and two touchdowns. Allen has done his job for the most part, but the Bills were a mess. They're six and six, and that team had Super Bowl hopes. Casper Native and Cincinnati, Cincinnati uh, middle linebacker Logan Wilson with 10 tackles in their loss to Pittsburgh. 16 to 10. Broncos wanted to be in that Super Bowl hunt too, but they're a mess at 5 and 6. San Francisco defensive back to Sean Gibson with five tackles in the sack in their 31-13 win over Seattle. New Orleans defensive lineman Carl Granderson with 10 tackles in their 24-15 loss to Atlanta. Las Vegas defensive back Marcus Epps with two tackles in their 31-17 loss to Kansas City. Wyoming Cowboy football team awaits their bowl game destination and that will come out on Sunday. Folks are 8 and 4 after destroying Nevada to conclude the regular season 42-6. Various bowl predictions have the Anywhere from the Boise Potato Bowl, the New Mexico Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl. You know, we'll, we'll see. Cowboys did have a pair of players that earned first-team All-Mountain West Conference status. Middle linebacker Easton Gibbs is one of them. He was 29th in the country in tackles this season. The other first-team All-Mountain West Conference pick is offensive lineman and Laramie native Frank Crum. He started all 12 games from his left tackle spot. Casper native Jordan Bertinoli was second-team All-Conference at the defensive tackle spot. And quarterback Andrew Peasley, running back Heron 
Harrison Whaley, tight end Trayton Welsh, receiver Wyatt Whelan, and safety Wyatt Eckler were named all-conference honorable mention. Women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls with a really, really nice win last night, beating BYU and Laramie 86-74. Cowgirls were just terrific in the first half. They led 41-28 and put the game away with a 31-point fourth quarter. Melina Peterson had 19 points to lead UW, was 6-6 from the free throw line. McKinley Dickerson, the formerly formerly McKinley Bradshaw, had 17 points on 6-11 from the floor. Cowgirls are 4-2 and two on the season. They handed BYU their first loss of the year, so they're 6-1, and Wyoming will be on the road at Oklahoma State. And next up for the Wyoming Cowboys will be a road game at Portland State. They were drilled by 15th-rated Texas back on Sunday, 86-63, so the Cowboys are 4-2 and two heading to the Pacific Northwest on Friday. And that's it in sports. Okay, let's see. Uh, some of the other stuff, they have beef stew, chicken with noodles, lamb stew, or beef goulash. Oh, let's get some goulash. Goulash. When's the last time you saw goulash? When was the last time you had goulash? I don't even remember what goulash was. Or chicken stew, or chop suey. Serve with a slice of butter, bread, any one of those, 50 cents. I'll bet you a soft drink was a dime. Uh, 10 cents, yep. Yeah, and they, now here's one thing I will dispute. They say always Woolworths always has good coffee. Woolworths has never had good coffee. No, they did. No, it was bottom of the yeah, they ever. No, Everything else though is great. You imagine going out and getting a nice filling lunch today for fifty cents. Yeah, but how, but how hard is it to make good coffee? Yeah, geez, they could have at least. All right, uh, thank you. Think they had a reputation. All right, coming up on some local business, we have to take her and roll into news time. After that, national local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. I'll go ahead and mention this because several people have sent me this within just the past few minutes, including 70s Boomer. Yeah, I saw your note, too, and answered you. Uh, and I intend to have this guy on the air, too, just so you know. I've talked in the past when it comes to the whole cult of climate change and you know organic fuels like coal, gas, and oil, and so on. A gentleman by the name of Alex Epstein. And Alex Epstein wrote a book called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. I got to talk to him about, I've interviewed him before, but I've got to talk to him about changing it to organic fuels because it's not a fossil fuel. His new book, Fossil Future, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More more Oil, Gas, and Natural Gas, Not Less. So he's going to be in Casper speaking. And this is going to be... Let me see. Friday, December 1st at 6 p.m. Wheeler Concert Hall Music Building Casper Camp. Okay, I'll you know I'll go ahead and write up an article about this 70s boomer. And uh, 70s says, "Cool, thank you for all you do. Um, good. I hope there's a good turnout because so many are not informed on the climate cult insanity." Yeah, I agree with you, and I will. I tell you what, I'm going to write up an article. We'll get Alex Epstein to come on the program. I haven't talked to him in a few years, so I doubt he even remembers me. But when his first book came out, I had him on a couple of times. 
And he's really an interesting interview. And it is where I get a lot of my information from because he's so well-researched on this. So he's coming to Casper to talk about why we need more coal, gas, and oil worldwide, not less. But I have a lot of interesting things that I've thought about over the years after reading his books and quoting him that I'd like to talk to him about on air. So, yeah, we'll get him on the air before he gets here. And also, I'm going to see if I can attend, especially, I think, did that say it was on a Friday? Yeah, see, that's always difficult for me. Yeah, Friday. Good. Okay. Well, you know, I I go to bed so early because I get up. I get here to work a little after, just a little bit after 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, if it's quarter after two, I feel like I'm late. But that's usually about when I'm coming in, about 10 after two, I'm walking through the door. Right? So you know what time I go to bed. But if it's on a Friday, I'll do with it. I'll, I'll, I'll stay up and, and deal with it. I'll see if I can get them on the air. Let me go over to something else real quick here. So I was just talking with Frank Gambino. I saw this and I thought it would be fun to mention it to him. And then I started thinking about something. So if you were with me during the last sports segment, I was talking with Frank about Woolworths, the store, which used to be all over the country. And Woolworths used to have a lunch counter. And my mom would take, my mom never set me at the counter. We would sit in a booth. Because whenever she had to go out and do shopping, and I'm a little kid at the time, right? So I would have to go with her. Lunchtime comes around, and I always got the grilled cheese sandwich, right? And I'm looking at this, and I'm noticing there's a couple of things. First off, let's take a look at inflation. Some inflation is normal and natural. It's going to happen. So back then, and I don't see a date anywhere on this, but you guys got to think way back when. For lunch, you can get a hamburger platter. So it's a quarter pound, beef burger, toasted bun, tomato slice, a little bit of lettuce, okay, and then they have a little bit of coleslaw and french fried potatoes. Price, 55 cents. But also besides that, I want to also look at the portion size because I had mentioned that to Frank too. Back then when you got a hamburger, I went to a restaurant recently and all I wanted was just lunch. And I said, uh, hamburger and sure, I'll take the onion rings, fine. The hamburger that I got was so big, it was more food than a person, just the hamburger with all of the stuff on it, was more food than a person should eat between breakfast and lunch. I mean, maybe even dinner. Then you got a picture of the stack, I mean, the pile of onion rings I got next to that. There's no way I could eat all of this. I ate about a quarter of the hamburger, down like two onion rings, and had to box the rest of it. But people will sit down these days and eat all of that. I mean, this is way too much. And then they ask about dessert. Holy cow. Back then, though, what I'm looking at is a little hamburger with a slice of American cheese on it. Mmm. And it's got one little tomato and a little piece of lettuce on top. It's not very big. It'll fit in the palm of your hand. The French fries off to the side, I think I count maybe like uh, 10 French fries there. And that would be typical for lunch back then. But consider how big people are today and how big people were back then. People were very thin back then. A lot of it has to do with portion size. But let's take a look at the price. So that entire lunch was 55 cents. But then again, how much did people make back then? 
Yeah, people made a lot less money back then than they do today. So it kind of averages out. If you think, wow, things are really expensive, yes, but you also make more money than you ever did. So as long as what we earn keeps up with what we spend, it all sort of evens out, right? Then I come across this story. Big Mac extra value meal. Now, this is the extra value meal. $18. Just a couple of years ago, it was $10, and I thought that was too much. A Big Mac burger, medium beverage, medium fry will cost $18 at some locations, up $10 from just a couple of years ago. Skyrocketing costs impacted, well, it talks about uh, the past elections and so on. Big Mac value meal price increase is just one example of continuous inflation, according to the New York Post. The story here says those terrible policies from the Biden administration have driven prices overall about 15% higher on essentials like food and energy and so on. In some cases, up to 25%. Equivalently, think about as it's slashed into the income of the typical family. You, you always hear, constantly hear, about how the Democrats are in favor of helping the middle class and the poor. This is not helping. Mortgage rates are cruising toward 8% as the median uh, home price nears about $420,000, median home price. That's median. Depends on what kind of house you're looking at. I've, I've looked at a few in my area alone, and yeah, I'd say that's about typical. I mean, it depends on what kind of place you're buying, but you're, you're spending 400 some thousand dollars at 8% interest. Over half voters, key swing states, said grocery prices are at the top, way up top, affecting their budget. And I've had people show me they went to the grocery store. In fact, let, let's go back. I realize this goes back to the 70s, right? But uh, here I am a kid in the 70s. And mom says, we're going to go grocery shopping. Now, remember, I'm an island boy. So we would have to go. The island where we lived where we was about uh, three miles off the coast from where we were on the island. In fact, when we were on Captiva Island, farther than that. And then once we get on the mainland, we have to go in to where the grocery stores are because there weren't any grocery stores right on the mainland. The mainland right in that area was primarily swampland. So we had to drive inland more to get to where the grocery stores were, right? Mom would, because these were rare trips, some of you do this, you shop at Sam's Club in a couple of places around Wyoming. But I would be pushing as a little kid a shopping cart. Mom would have a shopping cart and I would follow her trying very hard not to hit her heel with the front wheel of my shopping cart, which I did a few times, and that would make her so mad because I wasn't watching where I was going, and that hurt so much. I could tell it hurt. Sorry, Mom. All these years later, still sorry about that. So with two shopping carts, she would fill these shopping carts, and I mean pack them, mounding with all sorts of food items, and she would pay for it by pulling out a $100 bill. And pay for all of that and then drive us all the way back out to Captive Island again. That was That's how far 100 bucks went, right? Recently, someone showed me they came back from the grocery store after spending 100 bucks 
and uh, you could see a lot of air at the bottom of the cart. The cart was not full, and there were a lot. Of, there was a lot of empty space. Now, again, I understand we make more money, and things cost more. And as long as it averages out, we're okay. But what happens when it doesn't? When the prices are rising faster than what we're making, that's when we have a problem. A pound of ground beef now costs about five dollars twenty-three cents on average, up from three dollars eighty-nine cents uh, just a couple of years ago. Coffee is about two dollars a pound. Prices for fresh fruits and oh, this this really hurts me. This drives me crazy. Fresh fruits and vegetables. I love going to the grocery store. And I will go right immediately over to the fresh vegetable area and just start, oh, look, there's plums. Oh, look, there's bananas. Oh, there's grapes. I love this stuff. But most of it I look at now and go, I'm not spending that much. At one point, a carton of eggs was triple pre-pandemic prices. Hang on. I got a little bit more of this. Onward to the stars in Douglas. I remember uh, being in my uh, dad in the early 1990s buying rifles that would be called assault weapons at Woolworths. <laughs> really? 917, wake up my own. Like a strong cup of coffee in the morning. Tasteless, but it'll get you through the day. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Okay, so I want to finish up on this inflation thing real quick here, and I'll get into some other news in the next segment. Yeah, I know. I understand things always get uh, more expensive as the years go by, which is why I'm saying the longest stuff averages out. We're okay. In my lifetime, I've watched people complain when the price of gasoline has gone up, and I've often thought, well, if gasoline went up, at the same rate as your wages went up, it wouldn't be a big deal. So let's see. Uh, did I'm asking a question here. Okay, here's one. Okay, you can just do this online. It's really easy. How much did things cost? And I'll take uh, the year 1973. We'll go back a year. Because it's, sometimes it's shocking to see what things cost. So you could buy a Mercury Montego for $4,281. Imagine buying a car for four. That was a luxury car. A Plymouth Duster you could buy for $2,275. Wow. Uh, Toyota Station Wagon was about 4500 A Chevrolet Malibu was $1,695. Huh? So if you wanted to buy a coat... Um, it, it tended to be to buy a coat or a jacket, you were spending about $20. A pound of bananas was $0.14. Cents. Cherries, yep, by the pound, were about $0.49. Cents. There's furniture, bed bunks, $30. Hmm. Okay, so let me ask then. Um, uh, did in... Okay, so now I'm asking what are the average wages. And, you know, it's kind of interesting sometimes. You can find little books for sale, trivia books on this. Okay, so the average income. Uh, total money income average. Okay, it was very typical back then for a family in the United States to be bringing in about 1973 to be bringing in about $55,000 a year for a full family. 
Yeah, uh, for the whole family. Uh, unrelated individual. Okay, so and there were people who made less than that. Single. There were single people who were making like you know uh, eight nine thousand dollars a year, and they were living just fine. But then again, you know everything kind of moves together price wise, right? All right, now November twenty twenty. Let's go back to take a look at just various things that you would want to buy uh, during certain times. Okay, the average airline fare in January 2021 was about $208. Now it's about 251 Nationwide, the average for a gallon of gasoline, January 2021 was $2.38. Now the average is about $3.25. Gas prices have come down quite a bit. I mean, quite a bit. But at the same time, it's nowhere near as low as we would like to see it at this time. When I, one time I, had, I was talking about this and I had said where it should be. And somebody asked me, well, how do you know where it should be? Well, I'm thinking of the average rate of inflation compared to wages. You know, where, where do you think that should be? Oh, R.H. in Wiggins, Colorado. Hi, Glenn. I owned a 1973 Chevy Malibu in high school. How much did it cost you? I'd like to know, all right? True Dog in Cheyenne grocery store scene in the movie Double Indemnity. Notice this while watching last night. Look at the prices. Okay. Have you ever done this? You drive by some old gas station that shut down a long time ago. And they still have the prices posted, right? And take a look at the price of what gasoline was back then. All right. Now, some ways to bring down, if you think those prices will never come down, they can. Yesterday, I was talking about Toyota. They were offering up a, it's, right now it's a concept truck. It's a pickup truck. It's very basic. It's a good solid truck. Okay. It's a full size truck. It's, it looks nice. Starting price $10,000. Yeah, it's a good four wheel drive solid truck. You think, how did they do that? They took away all the frills and bells and whistles and so on and just made a basic truck. And then the other thing they did, as far as the bed goes, it starts with a flat bed. That's your $10,000 truck. Now, what did you want for a back? Did you want them to put a camper thing on there? That's not going to double the cost. It won't nowhere near that. Did you want just a regular pickup truck looking bit? What did you want to do with the back? They have all these customizable things. But that doesn't suddenly make it outrageously expensive. It will increase it from a $10,000 truck. You'll probably end up spending like 13000 for something, depending on what you want to do, you know, to the back of that. Or you can just buy the flatbed version and build whatever you want to build. But the idea that Toyota is saying, we're going to start making vehicles, starting with this truck and other vehicles, that are way less expensive than everybody else. Because we're going to go back to basics, says Toyota. And if they start doing that, watch other auto manufacturers do the same thing. As they come way down in price in the market, this is what capitalism does. If you get the government hand out of it, when government tries to help, prices go through the roof. Get the government hand out of it and let the free market do what it does and watch competition bring those prices down because they're going to try to get your business with lower prices. All right. Coming up on local news we have to take care of. Update on your weather forecast after that. So wake up my own.
death. This show contains sarcasm. Some listeners may find disturbing. A sense of humor is advised. Chat with Glenn Live on the Wake Up Wyoming app. Nine thirty-six. The time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right. So, just shutting something off over there. Back with you over here. Okay. So, New Zealand. Dana, why why talk about New Zealand? Keep this in mind because there's places in America that want to legalize marijuana but ban smoking cigarettes. I know, right? I did. I've always looked at that and thought, if you if you want to legalize marijuana, then why are you banning cigarettes? I mean, be consistent anyway, right? All right, well, New Zealand scraps tobacco ban. The story says health and tobacco companies said Monday that New Zealand's plan to repeal laws that would ban tobacco sales from future generations threatens the lives and international efforts to curb smoking risk. The country's new center-right coalition will scrap the laws introduced by the previous labor-led government according to the... Hold on, we learned something here, right here, right? Not so much about smoking, but look at what just happened here. So they had a very... Uh, well, it says here labor-led, which is a socialist-type government, right? Okay. That government was thrown out. So now the more conservative government comes in. And what the conservative government does is repeal the old law. So when you're looking at the condition of America right now, how do we get out of this? Because I always hear doom and gloom from so many people. It doesn't have to be doom and gloom. It's just a matter of working hard to make sure we get the right people in office. Forget, and I was talking to some friends last Saturday about this over breakfast, forget trying to convince people that are in government to change their minds. They're not going to. Instead, you got to change who's in government. And to do that, you got to change the minds of the American people. Not, not exactly easy, but here again, what you got to do is change, just like there's a culture shift all the time, left and right, the pendulum swings back and forth. To change the minds of the American people. Not that, not to get them to put on a bunch of MAGA hats, but just the idea of a limited government and big liberty, right? The story says the package measures would have seen bans on selling tobacco to anyone born after January 1st, 2009, reduce the amount of nicotine allowed in smoked tobacco, goes on and on about all the things. And then eventually just cancel out altogether. So um, opponents of the repeal argue the ban could have saved about $1.3 billion in health care. It gets you all of that. Government sounds a fairly cold-hearted approach. But the idea is, look, it's fine for government to, and I'm, I'm all for this, for government to try to convince people, stop smoking. And in large part, that's worked. When you think about when I was younger... Every movie, every television show, everywhere I went, people were smoking cigarettes. Today, it still happens. I still see people doing it, but it's very few people. And the main reason why? Education. Not because someone tried to ban it. That really didn't do anything. But education was the key. Oh, here. Here's uh, Grandpa Rich in Thermopolis says he paid $1,500 for his 1988 Oldsmobile with uh, 87,000 miles on it. It got 28 miles per gallon highway, 18 city. 
like my new backup car when my Nissan has problems. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, all right, back to the to the cigarette thing here again. Uh, so, here's once again New Zealand. Um, the story says the only way you're going to truly end smoking is by shutting down the entire tobacco industry in New Zealand, says the story. I don't agree with that because you can shut down the entire tobacco industry, but people, again, you just make the economy underground. I mean, think about it. Before, think of all the people who smoke marijuana. Have we had a legal marijuana industry cranking out marijuana cigarettes and selling them in packages at retail stores across the country? No. And yet look at the number of people who smoke pot. So you can ban cigarettes. What will that do to the people who want cigarettes? It's still going to be there. Which is why I continue to say for those people, and they might want it for all of the best of intentions, for all the best reasons. I don't doubt their good reasoning. I do not doubt their good reasoning. I doubt their methods. And oftentimes their methods just don't work. If you want to try to get people to stop do something or to get them to do something, you have to try to convince them, which is not always doable. And you're not going to convince everybody. There's always going to be people who are just not convincible. You just can't. But that's the way to do it. Because as I pointed out earlier this morning on a couple of other topics, when something is banned, it doesn't prevent it. It just sends it underground. Yeah. New Zealand, they were on the verge of a tobacco ban that wouldn't have worked for them. All right. Instead, I would say to New Zealand, try education. Because the number of people smoking across America now compared to when I was a kid has changed a lot. Used to be, it was very difficult to find someone who didn't smoke. Now it's difficult to find someone who does. It really is difficult to find someone who does. Remember, I used to be, you would go into a restaurant. There were ashtrays everywhere. Buy an automobile. There were ashtrays and lighters in the automobile. Get on an airplane. People were smoking on the airplane. Go to see a movie. People were smoking in the movie theaters. Now, though, it's mostly that just people don't care to. If you put an ashtray and cigarette lighter in a car today, people would ask you to replace it with uh, with something they could plug their phone into. 943, wake up. There. This program is intended for immature audiences only. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Weekdays at 6 on air on Alexa and 24-7 on the Wake Up Wyoming app. Forty-eight is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. Off to the ice box we go. Frank Gambino waiting by. Uh, Frank, some people just never learn. I don't care. I don't know what we do. I just don't well, and I'm one of them. Okay. I, I normally learn the hard way. Okay. Well, then example. Uh, so for YDOT, they would like people to quit hitting their damn plows. Okay, because well, yeah, that, that you know because yeah. I, I'm generally speaking. The plows are going to win that. Yeah. However, sometimes they don't. Well, and it's bad. They have three plows currently being fixed. Repaired. And, and nobody was hurt. But how many times do we have to go through this every single year? We're not very far into the year. We only just recently had our first, I mean, halfway decent snow. And we had three wrecks here. And YDOT is like, people, 
Come on. Last year, the department saw 25 plow hits. 25, yeah. Yeah. That sound about average to you, maybe? Oh, yeah. You know, okay. and, and I, I can understand, you know, unfortunately, like, all right, they're, they're, not, they're not going nearly as fast. Right. As everyone else, even in the worst conditions. Right, yeah. So people get antsy. They and probably one of them, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, they want to pass them, but once you lose, you know, you lose control, then uh-huh. you, the plow will plow you. Yes. So, or you rear end the plow. Right. You know, like, well, how did you not see that? Because they have right flashing yeah, blue right and of, yellow yeah. lights on see, the back. See, now, what I do when I was explaining this, I don't care if I'm in town or I'm out in the interstate. When I see a plow, I think, woohoo, a plow, and I get <laughs> behind it. Way behind, not right behind it. I mean, because if I start to slide and I can't stop, you mm-hmm. know. But I will get behind the plow because I figure not only is he give me a fresh plow so I can actually touch pavement, but he's dropping dirt. Yeah. However, he's going very slow. That's okay. If if you have nine hours to kill, go right ahead. Yeah. I well, there's the I also when I go places, I tend to leave really early, uh-huh. especially in the winter time. I leave extra early, assuming that it's going to be a problem getting there. You know what? When when I see a plow, yeah. I'm like, oh man, is that it? Really? Yeah, that's yeah, something. Yeah. Something is happening that we don't want. Oh, okay. And our plow drivers, I think, do a, a phenomenal job. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal, an unsung phenomenal job for as many miles of of road oh, that we God, have yeah, here. Yeah. Crazy. So I this the only time I ever really got worried is I was trying to drive cross town. There were two plows in front of me. And they, in front of me, plowing to get the road clear for just little old me way behind mm-hmm. them. And they both wiped out. Oh. And that, now they both wound up in the opposite ditches. Now they both got out. But I'm looking at this thinking, if you guys can't handle that, what am I doing yeah, ex- Exactly. Women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls with a really nice win last night, beating BYU and Laramie, uh, 86-74. The Cowgirls were terrific in the first half of play with a 41-28 lead at the break and then put the game away with a 31-point fourth-quarter bonanza. Melina Peterson had 19 points to lead UW, 6-6 six six from the free-throw line. McKinley Dickerson, the formerly uh, McKinley Bradshaw, had 17 points on 6-7-11 from the floor. The Cowgirls were 4-2 and, and had a BYU their first loss of the season, so they're 6-1, and, and Wyoming was be on the road at Oklahoma State on Sunday afternoon. Next up for the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team will be a road game at Portland State on Friday. The Pokes were drilled by 15th rated Texas back on Sunday. 86-63. The Cowboys are 4-2. and two. They have shown improvement from a year ago, but they just doesn't look like they're ready for the likes of an athletic team like Texas. Wyoming Cowboy football team awaits their bowl game destination. that will come up on Sunday. Folks are 8-4 after destroying Nevada to conclude the regular season 42-6 in Reno. Various bowl predictions have them anywhere from the Boise Potato Bowl to the New Mexico Bowl to the Armed Forces Bowl. We'll see. Folks did have a pair of players earn first team all Mountain West Conference status. Middle linebacker Easton Gibbs, one of them, 20 29th in the nation in tackles this season. The other first team all Mountain West Conference pick is offensive lineman and Laramie native Frank Crum. He started all 12 games from his left tackle spot. Casper native Jordan Bertinoli, a second team all conference pick from the defensive tackle spot. Quarterback Andrew Peasley, running back Harrison Whaley, tight end Trayton Welch, receiver Wyatt Whelan, and safety Wyatt Eckler named all conference honorable mention. National Football League, here's a rundown of how some of the former Wyoming Cowboy players did over the weekend. Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen was 29 of 51 for 339 yards and two touchdowns. 
touchdown passes with an interception in their overtime loss to Philadelphia. He also had 81 yards running the ball and two touchdowns. Allen has done his job for the most part for the Bills, but they are a mess at 6-6, six and six, and this team had Super Bowl hopes. Casper uh, Native and Cincinnati middle linebacker Logan Wilson with 10 tackles in their loss to Pittsburgh 16-10. to 10. The Bengals with the Super Bowl hopes. They have major injuries. They're a mess at 5-6. and six. San Francisco defensive back Tishon Gibson with five tackles on the sack in their 31-13 win over Seattle. New Orleans defensive lineman Carl Granderson, 10 tackles in their 24-15 loss to Atlanta. And Las Vegas defensive back Marcus Epps, two tackles in their 31-17 loss to Kansas City. You know, Glenn, yeah. you should, and they'll do this for you. You, you call Y-Dots uh-huh. and you can ride with them. I, you know, during I, a snowstorm, shoot some video with your phone. Yeah. And you'd be amazed. I have been told that before, and I might just actually have to give that a try just because I think it would be just fun. You think he'll let me uh, push the button on the sand dumper machine? I, I don't know. I don't. I might not be allowed to touch anything. I, if I was in that thing, that. it'd be like I'd be hanging on for dear life. Yeah, Judge, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, but that's the fun of it, Frank. You got to go through a, fill, a thrill ride once I'm in a while. You, right? you, co- yeah. you, you contact him, and I think okay. you can get on. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we got to take care of news time after that. Let's wake up, Wyoming.